stand as you're able for the reading of our scripture reading from Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called. And the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be worthy of you, our rock and our Redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. In the year that King Uzziah died, what significant weight these words carry may easily be lost on us who've had no kings, who are removed in time and history from the ancient world, and who live in a democratic culture. Yet they are significant, even to us, in the year that King Uzziah died. The death of a king, you see, and particularly this king, was a tumultuous event in the ancient world. Not long before his death, King Uzziah had been struck down by God with a severe illness for his audacity and pride. You see, he thought he could make an offering of a priest in the temple despite all the cautions of everybody else telling him no he did it anyway and so god gave him a plague and the consequence was uzziah was living in quarantine till the end of his death add these circumstances to the general sense of dislocation and instability that came with the death of a king isaiah's words begin to carry some weight even for us so far removed as one biblical commentator put it we might begin to get a sense of the event if we consider it and compare it somewhat with the impact of something like the assassination of jfk or the terrible events of 9-11, a singular important moment that turns the entire world upside down. We begin to catch a sense of the upset connected with these events 
a sense of the climate of the time in which Isaiah saw this vision. See, it's in the midst of that human loss and suffering, in the midst of separation and disconnection that Isaiah finds his way to the temple where he encounters this great vision. And in spite of all the things that are going on outside, in spite of the whole world being turned upside down, Isaiah sees in the temple a great vision of God being praised from the mouth of a terrible angel-looking beast. And the mouths proclaiming in unison to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. Do you recognize these words? You should. You should. We said them last week, if you were here with communion, and we say it every week as part of the communion liturgy called the Sanctus. It's worded a little differently. Holy, holy, holy Lord, feel free to join me if you know it, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. These powerful words of praise join us not only with the song of the seraphim, but with the saints and martyrs of every time and place. These words derived from this scripture are the oldest known aspect of worship. They date back as far as the first century and became an integral part of the Eucharistic worship in the early sixth century. When we say these words, we don't just say them or sing them as a pretty song. We sing them to be transported into the throne room of God's presence. As the divisions created by time and space crumble away and false divisions of our human brokenness fall away. And all of it is transcended. These words act as a symbol of our unity as God's people and with all those divine and earthly beings who offer praise despite the, myth, the mess of the world around us. They're not only words of praise but of hope. Hope in the unity that we long for and hope that in the face of whatever we face, whatever we experience, that God is to be worshipped and adored and praised. Considering once again Isaiah's vision, we're reminded that whatever the event occurring, the death of a king, war, terrorism, economic meltdown, ecological crisis, the death of someone we love, personal crises, no matter what afflicts us, or whatever trial we may be experiencing, God is present, and God is to be praised. It's such a realization as this that no doubt leads Isaiah to his confession, Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. As human beings, our lives appear to be plagued by a myriad of problems, many of which 
many of which are of our own making. Exposed in light of God's glory, we confess that we are an imperfect people who need God's help. And the good news is that God offers such help. Now, for Isaiah, it came in the form of a burning coal being placed on his mouth. Not the first one to want to get in that line, but it came, it came to him anyway, God's help and God's presence. For us, it comes through Jesus Christ. The good news conveyed later in the story than Isaiah was a part of. But we're reminded in all of our story that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn them, but to save. And God's work to transform us that we just celebrated at Pentecost, but the sending of the Spirit to renew our relationships as people with one another and with God. You see, it's the completion of the story, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we honor today on this Trinity Sunday that transforms us into who we are made to be and called to be as God's people. It's the totality of God that redeems us, that redeems us as individuals and redeems us as a community, a community bound together in God's love as God always intended. We celebrate baptism as we'll do after in the Rose Chapel, we celebrate baptism as a renewal, an affirmation of our conviction that God does indeed stay true to his promises, to be present and to be our help. To be born again means that we are disengaged from all bonds of human connection, biology, nationalism, and we were reconnected, renewed, and reinvigorated instead as a community of the coming kingdom bound to each other and with all people for whom Christ has come. Scholar, scholar Dylan Brewer says it this way. We are invited to relate to others, whether related by blood or not, as sisters and brothers, beloved children of the same loving God. I want you to take that in for a moment. We are invited to be brothers and sisters, beloved children of the same loving God. And if you take that deeply in, just maybe you'll find yourself transformed Maybe if you take that in deeply, that every child, every person, is your sister or brother. And perhaps you'll be personally swept up into God's call after God's heart to ensure that every brother and sister you meet is fed, has water, an education, decent health care, a real chance in life, the opportunity to love and be loved, to be exactly who God created them to be. If you take in that every child of God is your sister or brother, 
you'll hopefully hear God's invitation in Isaiah as an invitation of joy to move beyond your own doubt, to move beyond your own self-pity, to move beyond your own feelings of shame, to move beyond and use the God-breathed gifts inside of you to take care of each person you meet on the journey. When we baptize, not only do we declare God's love of the individual, we are baptizing. We as a community of faith are reminded of our true calling to live out that transformation given to us. We live life now, expressing hope we have for each other and all the world on earth as it is in heaven. Now the hard part, the paradox of this Christian experience is yes, that while we are born from above and while signs and symbols of the kingdom do break in, while with one voice we do praise God, we live in this tension of still having unclean lips. Do we not harm one another? Do we not curse at the person who cuts you off on the Broken Arrow Expressway? Confessing with Isaiah today. In pride, we compete for power and position. We neglect the cry of our brothers and sisters who don't even have the basic necessities of life. We carry a message of love and hope and yet struggle to be all that we're called to be, even to those whom we struggle the most with. Friends, we are the world for whom Christ died. We have been saved and made whole, and yet we are to constantly be renewed by God's love as we continue to enter into God's presence to have our lips touched by the burning coal. And like Isaiah, we're given an opportunity to respond, saying, here I am, send me even when the message we carry is a difficult one to understand, to live by, to proclaim. Isaiah's message was not easy. It was a holy and faithful, yet hard message to proclaim, and yet he had the audacity, as my sister said, the audacity to say, here I am, send me of God. May God grant us May God grant us the audacity that in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our frailties, in spite of all of it, may God grant us the audacity to say, here I am, God. Use me, even me, even me. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.